Mandy Crot. Oh, Crot. Hey guys, Chris here. On this week, episode number 14 of KT Confidential, Ariel and Adrian chat about Gary V's perspective on buying a home in your 20s to 40s. Enjoy. All right, let's get right into it. So this is episode 14 of KT Confidential, and today we are talking about Gary Vaynerchuk's recent blog, and he's been doing some rants and some videos on this topic, and it surrounds the discussion of people buying homes in their 20s, 30s, and even 40s. One why it's a bad idea for most. It's not that he's saying it's a bad idea. He is. He's saying you could be doing other things. Right. It's not the best idea. It's not the best idea. Uh, so, and Gary's not the only one that talks about this. Grant Cardone, um, to put things in perspective, who owns, I don't know, how many millions um, in real estate. In real estate. He, 300 million. Thank you, Kim. Uh, he's also a big advocate of it's a bad idea to buy your house. And it's so it's a topic about um, it's good to explain why and what they mean. So the other part of that is, and I, I know uh, Grant Cardone was an advocate because he was renting his own primary residence for many, many, many years. Uh, but the thought is that you keep equity uh, in your pocket and... You can rent a home or lease a home, same interchangeable here in Canada. Um, you can rent a home that is much grander or much more luxurious um, at the same monthly cost, potentially, than you would if you actually owned the home. The big thing is what you're doing with it. So the, uh, the concept of it is if you've got $100,000 available to put down hypothetically, that you were going to use as a down payment, but the banks only require, let's say, 30. And, but you, you know, instead of putting that 100,000, just put the minimum or a lesser amount and use the balance of it to invest into other things. So mo both of them, Gary Vee and Grant Cardone, are primarily speaking to um, entre entrepreneurial uh kind of entrepreneurially minded people. Entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, yeah. <laughs> so, so people that um, have that mindset. You know, if you're talking to the masses, they may not know what to do with the money or they may do things with it that they shouldn't do. Right. So it depends on who you're talking to. But I agree completely because if you put all your money into your primary residence and that home appreciates, and let's say you've got a few hundred thousand dollars in equity now, five years down the road, it's not as easy to cash in on that as though in, as opposed to it being a rental property that you have on the side uh, and then you can just sell it, cash in and buy something else. So Gary V is very, very big and, and very much an advocate that Facebook and Instagram advertising is undervalued at the moment. It's underpriced and that all of the big players um, in the global markets are still advertising the old school way of advertising, whether it's newsprint or TV ads, billboard ads, things like that, which are slowly providing very, very low returns. 
um, other than doing some, you know, some branding. But he's a big advocate that pump the money into social ads um, and social campaigns to bring you a big return on the investment. So what he's saying is that instead of putting that 100, 200, 300K into a home as the down payment and then being forced to make your mortgage payment, your property taxes, utilities, blah, 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 if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, if you're trying to build a side hustle, take that money and put it into your business. And over time, your business is going to grow more than the potential of your real estate investment. Well, and whether it's investing in ads, like you said, uh, through social, or hiring a new employee. Whatever is needed, I guess, to make your business grow and take it to the next level. But here's where I think, you know, as much as we follow and as much as we uh, admire uh, Gary Vee and what he brings um, to us in terms of motivation, a little bit of a mindset difference between Canadians and Americans, because I think Canadians are much more reserved and still in the mindset that real estate is one of the soundest investments you will make in your life. And, you know, it is pretty true that Canadian real estate as a whole, and that's why we see so many investors from overseas and from around the globe, Canadian real estate as a whole is a pretty sound investment. So I don't know if his opinion would change based on the different markets. Because if you're investing in American real estate... I don't think so, because what he's saying is that if you invest in... And again, he's focusing um, on utilizing that money elsewhere, primarily into um, I get it. your own business. I get it, but here's this. So... Let's now say you purchase a home and you put 5% or maybe 10% down versus 20, 25, 30, 50% down on the home. And we know that, especially over time, real estate in prime areas in Canada are going to appreciate. Is that a fair statement? Right. So why can't you refinance that property and take a bit of a risk on the financial side of things in order to m propel you forward in your business or in other avenues. So as an example, if you buy a $500,000 house and you put 5% down and you mortgage 475 plus your mortgage insurance. So let's say you're mortgaging close to 500,000 on that $500,000 house. If that home becomes a $700,000 home in five to eight years, which is very realistic, you all of a sudden have 200, maybe more uh, $1,000 of equity that it's built, plus you've paid down your original um, uh, mortgage amount. So maybe you've got a quarter million dollars in equity now. Banks in Canada will lend you money based on that equity. It is much more difficult to do that in the United States. In fact, good fucking luck based on what happened there in 2006, 7, 8. Um, banks are very, very scared to lend money as a first mortgage, let alone a second mortgage or a uh, home line equity. So my way of thinking, especially for Canadians and especially in the greater Toronto area, is put less money down, buy that home in your 20s, 30s, 40s, because we know it's going to be a great investment, buy it, put less money down, uh, 
put some money aside every month, you know, for building your business or, or growing uh, your capital assets, um, and then leverage the equity that you have in your property by way of financing. So yes, you'll put all of your eggs in one basket, and you will finance uh, a good portion of what you're trying to accomplish versus having the cash and the liquid assets. Um, but I think there is that stability in the Canadian markets that enables you to do that. Or, um, because second mortgage is, no matter what it is, line of credit or whatever, it's going to be at a higher rate in most cases, um, unless you're at maturity and you're refinancing. And alternatively, he's not saying don't own a house. I think what they're saying is the house you live in, you shouldn't own. So rent and buy a small townhouse. So you've still got money invested in this industry, right? So if the market improves, you're still in there. You're still making money. But it's much easier to sell your rental property and not have to pack up your bags and go. And by much easier, I mean, um, I think a lot of people would be very hard-pressed to get in the mindset of moving uh, in order to cash in on what they've earned on their house. Well, the other thing it does is enables you to be more mobile in, in your primary residence. So if, you, if you're if you an entrepreneur and you have a retail outlet, as, a, as you know, just for sake of discussion, um, and it's in Buffalo, but now you want to open your second retail location and it's in Detroit, maybe you're moving to Detroit for a year or two to get that set up. So... Um, it, it, enable, it would enable you to be a little bit more mobile from that sense and yeah. have less attachment. Well, I think home. even as kind of like a byproduct of owning the house, you're spending more money doing things to it. Um, so if you dig deeper, like if you own the house, you might feel more inclined to buy nicer furniture or nicer artwork um, or do minor renovations to the house over the years. So you're investing more money into it, which you're not always getting a return on. Uh, versus if you rent, you don't feel that same level of commitment to the property. So you may be banking more money. Well, and when you own a home, there's that upkeep too. So you're getting your furnace uh, maintained, you're changing your roof shingles, yeah. you're, you're doing all of that maintenance. So there is something to it. I just think there is a way, um, especially in the Canadian market, that you absolutely can own a home, can still be that entrepreneur that has that liquid ability um, to advance your business, advance your, your self-employment or your side hustle. So real estate should still be on your oh, investment targets. Oh, it always should be, just whether or not it should be your primary residence. Actually, on that note, so we, we have talked about investment properties. Um, we're looking into a few uh, ourselves. Um, we've got some clients looking for second and third properties right now. What's your take this year on, um, so we're in the greater Toronto area, what's what's your take on areas that are, are booming right now or hot or keep your eye on kind of areas? I think there's opportunity everywhere, first of all. Um, looking for the right properties. I think you can find gems in any market if you're really paying attention. Often the homes that other people are neglecting um, in terms of deals you're talking about. In terms about. of deals, yeah. yeah. Um, but everybody's progressively moving west. You know, we've 
uh, recently done, started doing a lot more business out in the Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge areas, Guelph. Um, and it's just affordability, right? People are just following the natural growth along the major highways in the lake. Um, and, and, the go, and the go stations. And the go stations. That's a big one. And then there's going to be pockets like Hamilton's got a lot of pockets where some people will stay away from. Some banks won't even finance in. Uh, so depending on where you're going, you need to be really aware of what you're getting into. Um, one thing, though, that I'd like to also say is that I think people are getting much more house than they need. So those that are buying primary residences, um, like, you know, I've helped. They're keeping up with the Joneses. A hundred percent. I've helped a few people last year specifically, I can recall. Um, even this year, just couples, uh, two people, and they're moving out of condos or townhouses into monstrosities, like, you know, pushing 3,000 square feet. And it's like, why? Why is it necessary? And I think it's it's completely just keeping up with the Joneses. And whether it is they're consciously making that decision that they want to show off to their friends or maybe their family members. I know one instance where they always talk about their family members that are always outdoing them. Uh, so they're all competing to look the best. Uh, and that's never ending. Or if it's just this need uh, to satisfy themselves and make themselves feel good, it's like whether you're buying nice houses or nice clothes, just that temporary satisfaction or a nice car. But after a while, it wears off, but those bills are still there. And this is where I, again, think the Canadian dream versus the American dream is a little bit different. Like the Canadian dream for a lot of couples is to own that nice home. And wherever they're currently living, um, there are lots of people that will say, oh, I wish we had this in the house, or I wish we had that in the house. And as soon as they be able to become become able to afford those things, they want to jump at it. And they forget about the opportunity cost of using those finances or using those, you know, that money in other areas of potential growth. And we're listing a property this week that is totally decked out with every single option you can think of. And our Facebook page is on fire with people liking, loving, messaging us, commenting because of the way it looks. And I guarantee you somebody's going to be buying it and buying it not from a need, they're buying it from a want. And that goes back to what you say all the time is that people are buying for emotional reasons rather than logical reasons. Yeah, 100%. Well, and I'm, um, I'm pretty good at being, uh, one thing I'm always doing is trying to be happy with what I have and uh, learning to do that so that I'm not getting caught up in always trying to be better, always have nicer things. Like my dining room table is an example I bought 10 years ago for 300 bucks, used. Alicia and I refinished it, reupholstered the chairs. It's, it's almost at its end, like it needs to be replaced, but... We've talked about replacing it for years, and we're like, nope, don't need to. It still serves the same purpose. It looks half decent. You know, we can reupholster the seats again. Um, people just get carried away with stuff. Yeah. Well, that's why I had my car for seven and a half years before I finally traded it in, and it was, I mean, it was done. Yeah. Like um, you were payment-free for how many years? Uh, 
three and a half years payment free. Yeah. So most people's mentality, as soon as it enabled like, me to actually purchase the cottage, right? Because I was saving that money on not having an additional car payment. Yeah. And the average person would look at it as okay, it's paid off now. They and I hear people say it all the time. I just that they they think of car payments as just a necessity. Like they they've accepted that they will indefinitely have car payments. Uh, so it's just that mentality. So when the car payments are done, it's like, okay, what do I replace it with now? Instead of being, okay, let's ride it out for two to three years, bank that money and put it elsewhere. Yeah. Are you really banking that money on a car though? It's a depreciating asset. So, and we come from an automotive background as well. But so as an example, my car three and a half years ago may have been worth $25,000, but today worth, I don't know, five to $10,000. So, um, you have that depreciation and, you know, that cost of depreciation. Yeah, you're not paying interest. You don't have a monthly payment, but now your maintenance costs go up and you do have other expenses. So it's still costing you indirectly. It's still costing you quite a bit of money every month, um, which is why I think people should lease vehicles and not buy. That's a whole other topic. Maybe we'll do that in episode 15 or 16. But um you know, you're absolutely right when you say people are over buying in terms of home. Um, I get if you have two vehicles and you want that double car garage, but really, are you going to spend that extra $100,000 so you don't have to shuffle your fucking cars in the wintertime? Like, is it that important? Well, and it's often it's significantly more than 100 k I mean, first of all, you have the price difference. Right, because it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at the double-car garage. Now no. you want the quartz countertops. You want the nice appliances. Well, that aside, like you've got the price difference of the house, which might be 100 k might be 500 k Who knows? Then you've got the cost to sell, uh, real estate fees, lawyer fees. Um, then you've got the cost to buy, taxes. Uh, and then maybe if you're moving up to a bigger house, you've got a bigger home. You need more furniture. Uh, the costs are your utilities. Yeah, your your utilities go up. So I I challenge people instead of moving up to a bigger home, buy a second home, something cheap, something you can rent out. Take it up the ass for a few years until you can really afford it. Is what you're saying? Who knows? You might like it. Yeah, <laughs> never know unless you've tried it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if if people can learn to be more content and happy with what they have. And spend their money elsewhere. It's the quote of the uh, <laughs> quote of the vlog. They will be much, much, much further ahead, even in just a few years. Let alone twenty, thirty years. I mean, people. I don't think people think that far ahead. Well, and the beauty is, if you do own a second property, again, in the Canadian banking system, if you properly leverage your first and your second property. Uh, and you have that second property generating rental income, when it is time to upgrade your primary residence, you use that as leverage, and now it becomes um, a bit of a tax break for you too because there's ways you can tweak um, the numbers there to make it work for you from a tax perspective. Yeah. Um, well, even I now... Agree. I agree, I agree, 100%. Hearing people, I think it's becoming more mainstream. People are starting to consider it now because last year I had a few people and just actually recently uh, somebody who closed down their new house where they kept their previous house. So they moved up a little bit, got something a little bit bigger, managed to arrange their finances so that they didn't have to sell their current home. 
and now we've leased that house out. And that house they bought for, you know, next to nothing relative to prices now. So the rent is adequate to cover. They lived in it for seven or eight years. They did a few improvements. They rented it. Um, Whoever is renting it is probably very happy because it's in a great location and yeah. Um, it's it's a nice home. More, yeah, now they've got more more home than they would have been able to afford if they would purchase a home. So, using those people as an example and what they paid for that property uh, on a monthly basis, if you were to take that monthly, they may have not even been able to afford something in Milton for sure. So, they get a better location, better home, and for the owners now, somebody is paying down the mortgage on that property, the next 10 years, these folks are going to be laughing because they they now have two properties that yeah, are appreciated very well. making money on both properties. Now, I'll be curious to see, and, and I know the, the couple that you're talking about, um, great folks, I think they made a great decision. Um, I'd be curious to see if they are, in the next three to five years, if they take some of that equity again and now purchase an additional property. And I would do some, if I was them, I would do something like a small condo or a village home, a three-story townhome that requires very little maintenance, low entry into price point. For sure, I think they will. And the reason is, um, and the reason most people don't do it is the fear of it. So once you have done it and you do become a landlord, and you've got that second property, it's much easier to do it a second time. If you and I kept our properties in Oakville, oh, when, when we moved to Milton, yeah, we'd have... Extra half a million dollars. Easily. Yeah. Just laying around that we could have put into this business. Yeah. So, Gary V, you are right, uh, but we do have a little tweak on that, uh, that blog and that rent. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. I think people need to just really evaluate their living situation, uh, whether or not they can continue living in the home they're living in instead of upgrading and using that money better elsewhere. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you follow us on whatever platform you're using and check out the description for all our social media links.